All right, for those of you that are uh, uh, joining us, uh, this is uh, um, the CCA's Leadership Development Community Interview Series. Uh, my guest today is Brent Walder, who is an actuary and a leadership development coach. And Brent, for this next section, I wanna talk a little bit more about leadership development since that's what you're focused on in your career right now. Um, especially for people that are more technically minded, like what we were talking about at the end of that last segment. Um, from your experience, what do you see as the obstacles that actuaries especially tend to face when trying to develop into successful leaders? Yeah, I would say uh, it's a couple of things. One of them is that in some ways we can get by uh, with our technical skills of, of taking on more responsibility. So some of the early advancement comes from being really good at the technical side and maybe at the business side and maybe at the sales side and sort of moving into those things. But that's different than orchestrating broad amount of work across lots of people, um, building capability of an overall system, motivating talent, and really build, building long-term strategic value in your organization. And so I think that the first thing that gets in the way is because we excel technically and, and can actually uh, add a lot of value that way. Um, the people skills can almost be dismissed as like, okay, is good enough. Whereas to really leverage your technical value, if you can develop those people leadership skills, it just gives you an expansive ability to, to add value to those around you. Um, I think another piece is that our technical, and I, I mentioned this before, our technical strengths can get in the way of effective delegation and empowerment, right? If we, if we need to be involved and hands-on deep in everything, you just can only do that so often, so uh, across so many domains. What I've found is that um, if you're leading a technical team, they value you knowing what they're doing and being able to go deep, but being really strategic about when you do that, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. doing it in the right places. Uh, I think another dimension is um, a lot of us in the technical leadership fields, um, we tend to lead through pace setting style. And what I mean by that is like leading by example, working the hardest, you know, just 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 running as fast as you can, as opposed to learning how to be visionary, how to be facilitative, and how to be coaches. And those other skills are what really opens up an organization to kind of let out the full energy of the group, as opposed to exhausting the group as you're leading a charge. Um, and everybody just at some point is like, oh, where are we going and why are we doing this and what's happening to the rest of my life in that process? Um, so that, that's another dimension. Um, I, I think the last one I would add is um, just as actuaries, as more analytical people, we tend to be less developed on our emotional skills, right? And, uh, and so understanding how we're impacting other people at an emotional level, at a deeper level, um, and how we're impacting ourselves at an emotional level and deeper level. I don't know that we always pay attention to what's going on inside of ourselves, And I guess I learned firsthand what happens when you don't pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Um, so it's, it's, it's your body will turn against you at some point. Don't let that happen to you, Michael. So <laughs> very good advice, uh, clearly. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I like how you frame this too, because not only I think does that matter from a leadership perspective on leading teams and managing people, but from a consulting perspective, right? Being able to pull yourself out of the technical and, and really try to understand the people that, that you're working for, uh, those clients that you might have, that, that I think can actually make you a, a very successful consultant and build that trusted advisor status 
uh, with your clients. I, I've seen plenty of times where actuaries specifically, um, in, in some ways, they hide behind their numbers and their technical acumen. Uh, you know, they'll they'll use the words and the acumen that uh, or, or the abbreviations that. Um, might be going over somebody's head, but that person's not necessarily going to admit it. Um, and and consequently, you can lose people or they they feel confused and not empowered at the end of the conversation. Absolutely. And I think um, regardless of your scenario you're in, especially but in that sales environment, you're speaking with people whose technical capability is probably doing, they hired you for a reason, right? They want you to do this analytical work, but they need you to put it into their context and an intuition that they can understand to ultimately make the decisions with you. And uh, so that ability to do that uh, can translate then to effective people leadership too. I think what we have to be careful of is we can channel all of that towards our clients and forget to channel it towards our teams. And so it's having that mutual uh, uh, focus. No, but I like how you put that too, because the, the two go hand in hand, right? right? And uh which I think highlights just how important it is to develop some of these additional skills beyond the technical. The technical provides us, at least this is how I looked at it for my career, right, is that the, the technical ability, um, which I, I felt like I had a bit of a, um, a strength on, um, helped me, but it helped me in the sense that it gave me more time to focus on these other skills that where I was I was absolutely deficient in um, for the first several years of my career, um, but but because I could, I was good at the technical. It allowed me to explore that other those other areas where I needed to give more attention, and uh, and that's how I've always viewed the uh, the benefit of the profession to me is that it allowed me to be good at something, yes, and, and and be able to make progress there while I was developing these other areas that were completely weaknesses for me early on. Absolutely. And to not stop leveraging that strength that you have, but that's the foundation that you can build off of and then uh, learn new skills, um, leveraging those strengths. Yeah. Um, Brent, I, there's something that I pulled off of your website uh, um, as we were preparing for our conversation today. Um, again, that's brentwalder.com if you want to go check it out. But you have this phrase, and so I'll quote it here. It says, leadership grounded in self-awareness, authenticity, and accountability. Talk to us for a few minutes about what that means from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, self-awareness, just to start there, is something I've been really passionate about in myself. And I think a, a leader's role is first to model self-awareness. And it's interesting. I don't know if you remember at that 2020 fall conference, um, the other speaker at the front end was around self-awareness. Uh, mm -hmm. And it uh, was, was a really good, a lot of insight coming out of her, her work. But that journey of being self-aware, um, if we think we're self-aware, then we've, we're probably not, right? And that's the irony of the whole thing. Um, it's like it's a constant journey and you need, you know, it's called self-awareness, but the only way to get it is to get input from other people because it's, it's you know, part of it's internal, right? Part of it's knowing yourself, knowing what motivates you, knowing um, your strengths and weaknesses. But part of it is how are you perceived by others? How are you impacting others? And... Um, so a, a big part of leadership is modeling self-awareness and helping other people to be self-aware. And that gives them a starting point to leverage their strengths, uh, which is clearly the foundation of being leaders to start with what you're good at, just like you just said. Um, but then uh, set a vision based on what their potential is, which again, being aware of your own potential 
and having someone help you see that potential and then build the plan that you personally through experience can can develop that talent so that's kind of where the, the self-awareness comes into play and it's it's hard things right it's it's taking in some feedback that you know some of it's really positive and having somebody speak into you like and see the value you're bringing uh, so leaders can do that sometimes it's bringing a truth that i mean i can remember specific experiences of my managers bringing me a truth that <laughs> just like set me back and um you know you're like wow like i didn't know that i came across that way um i had i had one of those in the middle of i mentioned that gm experience i had a partner um who was the business partner i was kind of the actuarial person and we were on a late evening conference call and he asked me a question and i just gave a simple no back to him and the next thing i know and it was a big group call it was probably 15 of us on the call um, next thing you know i get a i get an instant message from that says brent are you mad at me and I wasn't feeling mad, but I clearly came across as mad, right? And it was like, yeah. wow, like that was a huge gift. It was painful. And of course, when I go talk to my kids, it's like, well, yeah, dad, you come across like that sometimes at home, right? And it's like huge, huge, helpful information, humbling, but useful, right? And so opening ourselves up to that self-awareness, I think is, is sort of step one. Before we get into the other aspects of this on the authenticity and the accountability, what what tools are out there for helping people develop self-awareness? Um, I, I it, it seems like that's something where I don't know, it's it's a lot, it's a lot less tangible, right, than being able to do a math problem or figure out, you know, advanced calculus, things like that. How do you how do you figure out how to become more self-aware? Yeah, I think in one sense it's it depends on the dimension that you're focused on, right? Um so let's take, you asked me the question early on, actually, the first question you asked was around like, give me part of your backstory. Well, one way of developing your self-awareness is to write out your life story, right? And like, see what comes out of that, that you're like, wow, this is what shaped me. And this is what's like made me who I am. You can take that a step further and write what you want your eulogy to be um, X years from now, when people are, you know, if there's a celebration of life for you, like, what do you want people to say? And it, it's, it just can help reveal uh, the deeper parts of us and like what really matters to us. And, and then it creates a little bit of a conflict of like, well, how does work fit into that? It's actually a really good question. It's one I personally wrestled with a lot, um, but that's a tool that can unearth that. Um, so that's kind of like getting at your purpose and your values. Um, so the deeper part of us, uh, but then there's also the, just what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? And for most of us, our strengths have a downside that's probably one of our biggest weaknesses um so becoming aware of that how do you do that you just have to ask people right and it's asking your significant other it's asking your friends it's asking your coworkers, um and really looking uh, now the challenge is if you're going to ask you got to be ready for it um and that's the hard part right so be careful what you ask and i think one of the things that i um consciously did as a as a leader was you know, if you have a set of competencies that you that articulate like this is what leadership looks like, now you've got a framework to help people be self-aware, right? You've got a starting point of like a simple categorization so that I can like understand where I fit in each of those competencies. And then you can do an assessment. Now, one of the things that my uh, perfectionism would do is try and help somebody suddenly become fully self-aware. Well, that that's not that helpful at times. And the other thing I would say is that um, 
giving someone feedback without the support or coaching is not really a gift, right? It's only a gift if they can actually do something with it and, and make a difference with it. Otherwise, it just it's just discouraging, right? So I don't think I always found that balance very well sometimes, um, but it's uh, it's just part of that journey. So those are those are the couple things. Um, if I was dad, just one more thought on that. As an organization, it actually is equally true. Like to be self-aware as an organization or self-aware with your clients, right? Um, to know how they're perceiving you and what they value about you and what they view as your strengths. And um, there's some of that you inherently know, some of that you have to ask for their observations, right? No, I, I like all of that, especially being open to some maybe harsher uh or constructive criticisms that can come your way without right. being defensive. That's that could be very challenging. Right. Yeah. And it gets at it gets at one of the other dimensions of this is around accountability. Is um, you know, accountability can be tough if you're afraid that somebody's going to be coming down hard on you. And if you think of holding others accountable also, but if you can reframe it as the support system around you, um, and then as part of that feedback process to give each other space that's like, you know what, I'm naturally defensive. So just know, if you give me feedback, Michael, that my first reaction is going to be defensive, but give me some space for that. I'll get through it. And then I'll come back and I'll get to the real nugget that's in your feedback, right? So even un understanding and having dialogues about how to effectively give each other feedback to grow our self-awareness can be part of that journey um, and, and make it easier to hold each other accountable uh, especially on those behavioral things. It's one thing to hold accountable to, did you hit this deadline with this deliverable at this quality level? Um, mm -hmm. That's not that hard, right? But did you, you know, what were your interactions like with the people around you to get that done is a, is a tougher question. Absolutely. And then what about, so the, the third element that we haven't touched on from this phrase from your website is authenticity. Yeah, that one. And again, I, I'm just processing through the, the, the connection between leading your team and in a way, leading your clients, right? Um, but being authentic, being fully human and connecting at that, um, I don't want to say deep emotional, I don't mean like overly deep, but uh, I guess I'll just give you an example of really good leaders find a way to show others who they are and be open about their humanness, right? And it creates a, a different level of trust and respect, I would say. Um, so, one of the things that we used to do this uh, within my team every, every so often would be, especially with a new team, is do some sharing of maybe a little bit of your personal life story. Or uh, we would do something called a personal coat of arms, which was kind of like your roots, your hobbies, your values. Um, and, and probably the most impactful is like defining moments of your life. And if you've shared that across as a group, I've had this experience of watching people's perspective on each other just like instantly change with this new level of respect for this human being that's sitting across from them that's been through whatever version of struggle that we all go through, right? Um, and suddenly like you humanize the connection and there's a new energy that just comes out of that, right? So that's what I'm getting at with this, this being authentic. It's what creates trust. It's what creates respect. Um, and if you as a leader model that, um, it enables other people to do that. So it fits right in with uh, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, if you don't feel like you can bring your authentic self to work and you're hiding part of you, like you're, you're probably not going to do your best work, right? And yeah, it's actually very... Stay there it, as long, right? Yeah, well, it's a very interesting point too. We, uh, 
uh, myself and uh, and Becca Trager from Buck, we just did this uh, presentation as part of Convention A that was on leading in a post-pandemic world. And, and we used as part of our source, a Harvard Business Review article uh, that talked about high-performing teams. And one of the key elements that it, it had in there was uh, that connectedness or relatedness with the, the yeah. team members. And I think exactly what you're saying fits in with that, right? It's allowing people uh, to see who we are as a person beyond just another cog in the wheel that gets work done. Right, absolutely. And, and obviously there's a balance in all of that, right? It's, it's, it's finding the right amount of that that's healthy um, and accelerates, I guess at the end of this all, it's like we're leaders trying to achieve results. It accelerates the result of having a high trust team that can then hold each other accountable in a way that's respectful and uh, and moves us towards the objectives we're trying to achieve. So, yeah, absolutely. No, great comments, great thoughts.